0: Visit roberthalf.com today. A year ago, the picture couldn't have been bleaker for Barcelona. A tearful Lionel Messi was ushered out of the doors as the club was forced to face up to years of financial recklessness. Fast forward to today, and there's a new sense of optimism at the Camp Nou. A new president, an iconic new coach, and an array of big-name new arrivals. But scratched beneath the surface— and you can't help but feel that things seem too good to be true i'm with jonathan johnson to discuss the catalan club and all the chaos it's causing on the transfer market kay galasso begins now hey everybody i'm michael lahoud back from vacation sun-kissed tanned, and back with the show i'm with jonathan johnson jj how are you doing
1: yeah doing very well thanks And i'm glad to hear that you have your batteries recharged <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, a little bit of Mexico. Have you ever been to Isla Mujeres?
1: I haven't. Uh, It's definitely on the list. Uh, Funnily enough, I I was due to go to Mexico uh, before COVID and the girlfriend, and I had to cancel our plans, unfortunately. Haven't gotten around Mm. to rearranging them since, but
0: hopefully someday soon. Well, speaking of rearranging, a club that's been rearranging world football and rearranging things in La Liga, FC Barcelona. But before we get to that, Let's talk about some big news for our show. Just it's a testament to the work that all of us have been doing. LME, JJ, James Bench, you know, the MVP from uh, North London, James Bench, Fabrizio Romano, but our producer Des Norris. So many people, so many things go into making Kegolasso the show that it is, and because of that, we've been nominated. This is your last week to nominate Kegolasso for the Best Podcast category in the People's Choice Awards. I'm going to say that again. The People's Choice Awards. We appreciate all the work that you guys do. That's you, JJ, that's Benj, everyone I mentioned. And we hope you enjoy the show. Nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Kay Galasso, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. And then toggle down to the sports category. It doesn't take long, and it helps us so much. Link in description and the QR code in the corner on YouTube. Let's get back to FC Barcelona. JJ, what is happening? Give us a little bit of the backstory because I feel like every time I turn on my phone, Barcelona is dominating all my apps.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I don't think any of us, uh, you know, saw Barcelona being in this situation. I mean, I guess we had a taste of it in the winter transfer window when they were able to bring in guys like Aubameyang, Uh, you know, but we were kind of used to, you know, Barca almost being like you know, going cap in hand to 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 various clubs around Europe because of their financial situation. Suddenly, there's been a massive turnaround. You know, this explosion, this influx of uh, money, uh, and you know, suddenly they're able to bring in guys like Robert Lewandowski. So, you know, it really sort of changes the the, the feeling around uh, around Barca. You know, for the fans, for for us as pundits, you know, from the outside looking in. Uh, you know, and really, it's it is very very. Difficult to you know to, to to just sort of you know analyze at a quick glance because there's just so many different moving parts to this topic. I know we're going to get into the the nitty gritty shortly, but you know it does it does almost feel too good to be true. I mean, you look at some of the stuff that's being discussed at the moment. Uh, you know, sort of Barca selling off uh, you know parts of their of their TV rights. Uh, you know, to, to to companies which feels like a very short term gamble. So. You know i i feel like yeah sure i can understand the excitement uh you know surrounding barca right now but you know for them to be sort of performing these kind of like desperate acts it's also quite worrying considering where barca were even just a couple of years ago
0: yeah i remember when the the, the original story broke out i think it was august of 2021 jaron laporta coming back to fc barcelona a president that was really the president that ushered in the golden era the Chavis, the Iniesta's, the treble-winning teams. But underneath the surface, it seemed like there was a lot more going on. What was your, What was your initial reaction when that story broke out about a year ago?
1: I mean it was uh you know obviously it was a big deal at the time uh and I was I was curious to see you know sort of how true he could stay to his word given you know some of the the the, the crazy promises that that he was basically making and then obviously things took a turn for the worse uh you know when Messi was essentially forced out of the club because of the financial situation uh and I think you know, for quite a while at the beginning of his tenure, Uh, you know, he had bitten off more than he could chew Laporta. Uh, You know, I think he has identified what he feels is the best way to get around that, if not for the club's long-term health, certainly in terms of his short-term prospects. Uh, And, you know, I'm kind of tempted to say that, you know, he kind of ushered in the era that Ultimately took them to the very top of the game, but ultimately also, Mm. you know, also did a lot of damage, uh, you know, to the club. And, you know, he's now potentially overseeing a new era, which, you know, could also do, you know, very similar. You know, get them back to towards the top in the short term and then potentially have, you know, some very harsh long term ramifications, uh, you know, on this footballing institute. So it is... (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out this season, but I feel like he's now a lot closer to the promises he was making when he first came mm-hmm. back to the club uh, than where he was say uh, in in January sort of midway through the season having seen uh, you know the the Barca that he inherited absolutely decimated.
0: Yeah, to give some context to this, to give you an idea of how massive the of a whole Barcelona have gotten themselves into. I'm t- we're not talking millions, we're talking the B word, billions. Over $1 billion in debt. And Joan Laporta, Bartomeu, Rossell, it's a finger-pointing game. It's almost like that Spider-Man gif where Spider-Man is in the mirror pointing at Spider-Man saying, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. It remains the same, but they all were part of this disaster. to depends the hole, and it was overspending. It was just battling ambition. As you said, JJ, competing now, versus the financial health of a club. And when I look at what they're doing now, some critics have said, how are they even allowed to do this? And from your standpoint, how is this legal? You know, if you're other teams in La Liga, are you going to fight this? How how does the competition view this?
1: To be fair, I think we ask ourselves whenever there's a club doing big business, you know, sort of how they're able to do this, whether it's in comparison with financial fair play or whether it's, you know, sort of a rags-to-riches, um, you know, story as as we seemingly have here with uh, with with Barca at this moment in time. I mean, I think given uh, you know the sort of financial uncertainty surrounding a lot of clubs in Europe, uh, the recent push for this the Super League, I definitely yeah. think plays a part in this. Uh, you know, but also uh, you know the the revamping of uh, of, of financial fair play. Uh, you know, I think that it's created a you know a sort of the the, the perfect storm for, for clubs to to try this sort of thing. But obviously, you know, Barca and Real and Atletico Madrid to an extent were probably the clubs in the worst financial positions. A couple of Italian clubs as well. You know, they were the clubs who were pushing, you know, most uh, m- most vehemently for the Super League, uh, you know. And mm-hmm. I th- so it doesn't surprise me to see, you know, sort of one of the clubs most uh, committed to that idea, uh, you know, Basically, you know, performing these kind of desperate, uh, putting off these desperate measures uh, in order to save themselves uh, financially, because the the situation that you know the, that they inherited after Bartomeu, Yeah, sure, I can I can imagine that it was absolutely disastrous, but I don't think that this necessarily is an improvements in the in in the medium to long term. This, for me, I can only see. Uh, you know, short-term benefit, short-term positive uh, for Barca at this moment in time. And I think it's papering over a lot of the cracks because, you know, fundamentally Barca is a flawed club. It's not the giant that it once was, uh, you know, and I think in terms of an institution, uh, you know, it has fallen a long way, uh, you know, over the past 10 years or so. And, I'm not sure that a, a number of these big name signings coming in, uh, you know, necessarily repairs all the damage that has been done over the last sort of five to 10 years.
0: Yeah, when you look at the situation that they've gotten themselves into, and you have over a billion dollars in debt, you're, you're, you're forced to meet certain league salary limits and numbers and budgets. This becomes an accounting game as well as the competition game. And as we look at the business side of things, what are some of the the, the limits that they're working with? I, I've heard numbers in the hundreds of millions that they have to meet. Could you give us an insight into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's so much said about the, the the finances and and sort of what's going on. You know, you've got this stadium sponsorship deal with Spotify. Uh, you've got Sixth Street buying into Barca's, uh, you know, sort of TV contracts, uh, and then you've got Barca seemingly doing the rounds within their own squad and, and basically mm-hmm. asking, you know, anybody with a significant contract to to take a pay cut. It's uh, it, it's crazy, yeah. uh, you know. And then there's all this talk about levers like uh, you know Laporta basically making barca sound like some sort of game show uh you know i I think uh, it honestly if i were if i was a fan i'd i'd be concerned and sure you know for for us you know if you're not necessarily sort of emotionally invested in today's barca uh you know it's it's kind of amusing you know sort of wondering how they're pulling all of this off that kind of stuff but you know the the financial gymnastics involved in actually making this kind of thing happen uh you know it's it's potentially damaging and and it's not necessarily you know damaging potentially damaging just for Barca any clubs that are doing business with them at the moment i mean the transfer deals that are being struck right now you know are the clubs getting that cash immediately are they going to have mm. to wait for it is there a chance that they may never get that money because of the way that these transfer deals are structured uh, you know there are so many unanswered questions and questions that quite frankly i don't think that Barca could actually uh, you know give you a truthful answer to you know if you if you put the question to them you know all of this that there feels like a lot of smoke and mirrors, uh, you know, and, and Barca are basically just clutching at straws, trying, uh, you know, to to sort of keep their heads above water until the next, you know, success comes along. And if it does not come this coming season, I think Barca are going to be in a huge mess. Uh, you know, w- all this talk about levers, it makes it kind of sound like a, a Nickelodeon show and somebody's going to be <laughs> dropped in some slime at some point.
0: Well, it's been pretty gold-rich slime in terms of some of the signings they've made and some of the names they've been linked to going through the squad. Rafinha recently arrived, scored in that Classico preseason matchup against Real Madrid. Robert Lewandowski, one of the best strikers in the world. Christensen, Frank Kessie, one of the best midfielders in Syria. And my, my jaw drops at some of the names, Aspilicueta, Marco Salonzo, Gosh, JJ, you and I might even get to call up at the rate Barcelona (laughs) is going with all this money that they're practically printing from business moves. When I see the stakes that they're selling, they came out with the news this summer saying that they're willing to sell up up to 25% and Sixth Street, US equity equity firm jumps on it. They sell 10% to them and generate about 200 million euros. And then they sell another 15% to get it up to 25% stake for a total of 400 million euros. Over the summer, they've generated 600 million million euros plus to be able to put towards short-term transfers and be competitive now. If you're Laporta, do you see this as potentially being stuck between a rock and a hard place of coming out and having to live up to the Barcelona name and also having to battle this financial crisis that they're in?
1: I do. I mean, I, I I can see that it is uh, you know, a very difficult situation to have walked into. I mean, there was a lot of debate, you know, when we were getting towards that sort of uh, you know, presidential election period, like who would really want to take on Barca in their current state? Uh, you know, and I, I can understand that, you know, he probably felt defeated when he saw the reality of the situation that Barca were in financially, uh, you know, and sort of where the where the club, you know, were on the pitch as well. But, you know, I think there, there are a number of different ways that Laporta could have tackled this situation. And he has gone for probably the easiest option. Uh, and I think that, you know, when you're Barca, you think back to sort of, you know, the, you know, the, the cornerstones of, of their last great, uh, you know, period of dominance. It was the youth academy. Mm. I, I, I find it very strange that you need to go out there and spend this amount of money instead of, you know, you taking a smaller amount, putting the emphasis on the youth academy, perhaps accepting that you're going to have a couple of lean years. Uh, and then hopefully, uh, you know, with that small investment that you've made, you bring through the next talents who are going to become sort of, the you know, the next stars for, for Barca. And I feel like that, which is a key element of the club's identity, uh, you know, has been overlooked in this rush to try and save themselves in the short term. There's a lot of speculation about, you know, sort of, are Barca sort of doing this because they're betting on the Super League coming into being at some point in mm. the near future? Given the way that it fell flat on its face in such embarrassing circumstances for the likes of Barca, for the likes of Real, I mean, sure, I can see it rearing its head again at some point in the future. I don't think it's going to be coming, you know, sort of in the next couple of years, which is what Barca would need mm. it to do to you know would need to happen uh you know in order to for these gambles to pay off so if barca you know don't suddenly return to being you know this this all-conquering juggernaut which i don't think they're going to despite the moves that they've made uh you know it's it, mm. it's a recipe for disaster uh in my opinion i don't know whether you agree and feel that you know barca are sort of still banking on that faint hope that the super league will re-emerge at some point in the near future, but it seems very unlikely to me. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah. I feel like the super league is kind of like the Illuminati. It's there in the background. You're not sure if it's really there, but then little things like this make you question your own sense of reality. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just got back from Mexico. Maybe it's the margaritas. We can talk about that offline. (laughs) But with regard to this Barcelona moves, it, I agree with you. It's, it's very short sighted. The, 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 Financial health of your club, we've seen so many clubs in the history of this game kind of go for the short-sighted move, and it costs them in the long term. And when you look at another way that they're trying to make up for the debt that they're in, you have the palancas or economic levers that we discussed. And another way is taking players selling your largest wage earners and also trying to get rid of players at any cost. And one player that we've seen, Frankie DeYoung He's been the top of the conversation. Other players being asked to to take pay cuts. What do you make of the fairness of that as a player? Do you think that these players should protest that? Or, you know, what do you make of this all?
1: I mean, I, I think it's a very murky topic, this, because it's kind of like emotional blackmail. Because the reason these players are signing up. Uh, you know, to, to join Barca and, you know, guys like De Jong have signed up already to play for Barca is because it's one of the biggest clubs in Europe. You know, you, you want the the prestige of playing for, you know, one of the biggest clubs that, uh, you know, that you were watching, uh, you know, playing in some of the biggest matches when you were growing up. I'm, I, I, I cannot imagine how underwhelming, um, you know, and how disappointing this must be for for De Jong, for, Barca to be basically saying to him like you know what we spent all this money on you and you are important to us but you can only be important to us if you basically slash your wage in at least half if not more mm. I, I feel it lacks it lacks respect I think it would have been a better approach for Barsa to say look we don't see a future for you here I haven't done enough in your time with the club, uh, and. Because of that, we want to sell you. Uh, you know, I think Barca have sort of dodged, uh, you know, the the bullet of, uh, of of having that difficult conversation, and are now basically, you know, playing on the players' emotions and saying like, okay, you know, how happy are you at the club? Because if you're that happy, then surely you'd be willing to cut your wages in order to stay here and keep enjoying the life that you've set up for yourself, uh, you know, in and around Catalonia. Uh, you know, so I think it is massively unfair um, and. I mean, I, I can see what Neville's getting at with, with what he was tweeting, uh, you know, but also, you know, for me as a player, if if I was approached by the club in that kind of manner, uh, you know, and we have to believe that the way that it's been reported is is accurate. I mean, you know, basically Barca have been trying to hand De Jong off to, to, to United, to any club that might be interested for the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, and, you know, very clearly, he doesn't want to, to to make those moves for whatever reasons. I'm sure we can get into why he wouldn't want to join the Manchester United Revolution watch right now words, in a bit. Watch your words. <laughs> Use but, the no, it, but but really, it is it is insulting. Uh, you know, to a yeah. player of, of De Jong's ability and caliber. I know he hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations since he moved to camp now, but let's be honest, you know, how many of those Barca players have lived up to expectation to their reputations in the last couple of years? Not many.
0: Yeah, it's a shame to see just everything Barcelona is linked to. It's it's the, it's almost like the Catalonia mob is what I liken them to. You're involved in the Super League and our producer Des Norris asking us a quick total sidebar question. If the Super League was to come back, version two, no EPL teams, no PSG, what does it even look like? Is it just Barcelona, Madrid, Juve?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I I'm sure that there are some other clubs who are in very difficult situations at the moment who, if they were offered the opportunity, would sign up for it. But you know, would those clubs constitute a super league? I'm not necessarily sure. Um, You know, so obviously we know that there are some teams that have sort of safeguarded themselves in, you know, in case something like this, you know, raises its head again so they can be part of it. We know that Real, Barca, Juventus, you know, are not going to be sort of letting it go anytime soon but you know i think that a lot of clubs woke up to the reality of, of of how much resistance there there will be to the super league in the future still uh you know given you know what happened just over a year ago and i don't think that that will change anytime soon and the you know knowing that you're not going to be able to call upon uh you know clubs like psg uh, you know what one of the the the, the biggest clubs in the world in terms of the players that they have and, and people wanting to watch them week in, week out at a club that's infinitely better run than Barca like Bayern. You know, they'd be... Why, why would they risk their futures same for a lot yeah. of the Premier League clubs as well. You know, Man City, for example. If we're you know sort of sticking in the same kind of uh, band as uh, as PSG, you, you know your Uniteds, your Arsenal's, your Liverpools. Why would they sign up for a repeat uh, of what happened? Uh, you know, just over a year ago. It's it's madness. So there is a lot of desperation now. Uh, you know. And it's crazy to say that about the European champions, Real Madrid as well, perhaps a bit less desperation with them now than there was, uh, you know, just after the Super League failed. But Barca, who have been nowhere near, uh, you know, a Champions League final in the last couple of years, the desperation is very real. And, you know, you can see it, you can smell it. It's uh, and and it's it's horrible to see, and that's why we have you know these situations with guys like De Jong at this moment in time. so it, it really staggers me how many players would just be you know so desperate to to sign up to be a part of this.
0: well, Barcelona are, are using mechanisms and things that we've seen glimpses of in the past from the world game, but never to this extent, if they keep selling off their rights, selling almost like a fire sale within to the public, to anyone who will buy. At what point should UEFA, in your opinion, step in?
1: It could be quite soon. I mean, we know that there is, uh, you know, work going on in order to change the way that the financial fair play is actually to apply to clubs. so you know we will see if barca have managed to navigate that properly we've seen the uefa financial fair play there were a few victims of that psg themselves fell victim to it city did as well for a couple of years it wouldn't surprise me uh you know if you know uefa look at barca and potentially use them as an example you know to to show that the new financial fair play has teeth because if it doesn't it will be, you know, just as sort of globally maligned and, and disrespected as its predecessor was.
0: Well, Man United, great and legend, Gary Neville. Yes, that Gary Neville tweeted this. De Young should consider legal action versus Barcelona, and all players should be behind him. A club spending fortunes on new players whilst not paying the ones they have under contract, their full money is immoral and a breach. Feef Pro should be all over bullying like this and stop it. And when I read that, it makes you just wonder. When it comes to the likes of a Frankie DeYoung, Memphis Depay, another player who they're trying to offload, Usman Dembele asked to pit, take a pay cut. star with Gerard Piquet, Busquets, and these are Barcelona guys to include Jordi Alba as well, Sergio Roberto. What is the impasse for a player, especially their their highest market value player, like Frankie DeYoung? What's that impasse going to be between he and a club like Manchester United in the end?
1: I mean, it's a it's a good question. I'm not really sure that there is one, given the way that you know this this topic has been approached, uh, particularly by Barca. I mean, there is absolutely no sort of motivation for well, at least for, for, for as far as I can see, you know, for De Jong, uh, you know, to to do Barca a favor. He is at the club where he wanted to, you know, sort of write a, a major part of his career. Uh, and suddenly he's being told like, oh, you can stay, but you have to slash your wages by, I don't know, up to 75% or something crazy Oof. like that. And it's, uh, you know, it it is, it, it, I mean, like I said earlier, it is disrespectful. And I actually think that had Barca approached this more logically, looked at the players coming towards the end of their careers and been like, right, PK, brusquets you know, thank you for the your service to the club. Same goes for Jordi Alba, uh, you know, you're not the players that you once were, uh, you know, and consequently, we're not going to be able to keep you around. So move guys like that on first, try and build around uh, a guy like De Jong, somebody that yeah. they have put significant funds into, uh, you know, but also somebody who can still give a lot back to the club, given his, his young age, given his potential. Uh, you know, but no, uh, you know, Barca would prefer to you know stick with the the, the guys uh, you know who are eating up a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, you know, they're they're taking a lot of uh, a lot of pay cuts, but you know, these cuts are coming from massive, massive contracts, which still leaves them on extremely hefty deals. So for me, I think that this should have probably been tackled uh, a much more logical way. But the the likely result of of doing it that way would be. A lack of competitiveness over the the next couple of years probably failure to to qualify for the Champions League but uh you know at the end of the day a more organic rebuild for the club this this is very um you know this it, it, it it's very, it's very fake. It's very superficial. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there's nothing wholesome about it. And Barca, you know, will end up at some point having to, to pay the price unless they can go on a crazy run of, I don't know, five consecutive Champions League successes with mm. uh, La Liga titles thrown in. And, you know, it, it's very unrealistic.
0: Yeah, if they do that, I will be Barca's newest fan, and my background will have Joan Laporte <laughs> all over it on my phone, and we'll probably name our first child Joan Laporte Lahoud. But that's not going to happen because we know that karma will come back to bite you, FC Barcelona. And Frankie De Jong, one final message to you before we take a break: Please come to Manchester United. Please, if it's money you want, we've got both loads of it. If it's drama you want, we've got both loads of that. But we got a coach who won't play mind games, who loves you in Eric 10 Hogg. All right, everyone. We're going to take a break. This has been Jonathan Johnson. I'm Michael LaHood. When we come back, we're going to just lighten the mood a little bit. FC Barcelona kind of brought us down, kind of made it intense. We're going to have some fun. Well, maybe for you, JJ, might give me a little bit of a stress. We're going to talk Cristiano Ronaldo and the potential transfer move to a former rival. This is Kay Colasso. We'll be right back.
1: The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Golasso. I'm Michael LaHood, and I'm with the one and only Jonathan Johnson. JJ, how are we doing? Halfway point of the show. Still good?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a bit of a bummer chatting so much about Barca and their, <laughs> their current situation. So looking forward to uh, an upbeat finish to this one.
0: Well, before we get into stoppage time of this show for the last hurrah, We're going to have to talk about promo time, which is Galasso is up for an award, and not just any award, the People's Choice Award. We've been nominated for the best podcast category in the People's Choice Award this year. Vote Galasso at podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down to the best podcast category. I'll say that again in English. Toggle down to the best podcast category vote for us. This is a great opportunity for you, the fans, to be heard, and an even better opportunity for us to continue to do what we do, which is talk the beautiful game. And we are going to talk one of the members of the beautiful game who plays for my club, Manchester United, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greats of the Premier League, one of the greats of world football. But he's about to do something crazy. Take us through that, JJ, within the transfer market.
1: Yeah so there's a lot of speculation out there that Atletico Madrid might emerge as, you know, a potential landing point for Ronaldo, uh, you know, Manchester United you know potentially looking to to move on from him. Ronaldo himself not happy with the fact that, you know, he won't get one last shot at potential Champions League success. Uh and you know, it ob- obviously we know that uh, Jorge Mendes is an extremely influential agent, you know, but even just the idea, I think, uh, you know, of a Real Madrid legend like Ronaldo, you know, potentially, uh, you know, going back to Madrid, but not with Real, with uh, their bitter rivals Atleti instead. I mean, it's 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 all a bit mind boggling. And, and in order to do so, it would also mean, you know, turning his back on Manchester United as well. A club where, you know, okay, maybe he's not got the same status as he does uh, with Real Madrid fans and their fan base because of all the things he achieved with Real. But he's still, you know, very highly regarded at Old Trafford, despite the fact that he's not the player that he once was. So, you know, it it would be huge uh, and majorly surprising if if Ronaldo did accept a move to Atletico Madrid. You know, that's solely talking about the the rivalry between Real and, and Atleti, not least... Uh, you know the the fact as well that Diego Simeone is still athletic coach, and how on earth you fit Ronaldo into a, into a Simeone tactical setup is beyond me.
0: Yeah, I woke up this morning thinking about this when this initial news broke out, and. I just tried to picture my Cristiano Ronaldo pressing for ninety minutes. I think the only time I see Cristiano pressing for is no, in the for gym no, is, for
1: ninety minutes. For, na- for, well, for, for ninety nine.
0: seconds. For ninety seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the only time we see him pressing is doing bench presses in his gym on IG Live. Um, yes, I tune in for those. But this is this brings up another question, and the bigger question: Could this be one of the biggest kind of? transfers that sparks controversy of all time or where does this rate in transfers that spark controversy in world football
1: I mean I think it would be hugely controversial but also at the same time I think it would probably be a good indicator as to Cristiano Ronaldo's current star power because let's be on let's be honest you know it's been on the wane for a while now Juventus didn't work out yeah. the way that he wanted it to United hasn't worked out the way that he wanted it to and I'm not saying that he's you know become a, a no namer Uh, in Europe Mm. not at all but uh, you know I think it's fair to say that Ronaldo's star is not shining as brightly as it used to and I think that this would be more a reflection on him uh, you know than than Real if he was to to decide to to join Atleti obviously I think it would be more bitter if he had left Real and gone straight to Atleti you know his kind of career path has been a bit diluted since then with his stint in Italy and then his return to England. Uh, And I think it actually would just show sort of the desperation, uh, you know, for, for for Ronaldo to have that one last shot at glory. Mm. Whereas it would probably be more, I mean, let me think about the way that I, that I phrased this would probably be more respectable if he actually managed to help sort United out and get them back into the champions league.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, From your lips, J.J., to Mendez's ears and Ronaldo's ears as he's back, reported finally back in Manchester, hopefully for more than just a meeting with Ten Hag and the board, hopefully gets back into preseason because the Premier League starts in only a couple weeks, so he's going to need to get up to speed wherever he goes. He's going to need to get back in shape and up to speed, which brings us to the fun part. We said this is going to be fun. What are the top three most controversial transfers in the history of the game. I've got my three. You go first, JJ.
1: Well, I'll, I'll go with my first one and there's no particular order to it. And I guess it was, you know, partly down to, you know, the, the, the era that I was growing up. Uh, and that was Luis Figo leaving Barca to join Real Madrid. That was, mm. I, I remember the first, you know, Barca Real Classico, uh, after he made that move, the pig head and everything, <laughs> you know, that, that was pretty intense. I think the thing that I really find interesting about this debate is that there are a lot of divides that you you just cannot cross. Some players do still cross them, but then there are other divides where you know players sort of crossing between those two clubs is actually fairly commonplace. Think about the Milan rivalry between Inter and AC. It's actually crazy to think about how many players have you know played for the two different clubs. Uh, and then you've got PSG Marseille where you know former PSG players have gone and played for Marseille there's been a bit less traffic sort of coming in the other direction. Uh, You know, it's almost like a divide that to certain clubs you cannot cross, you won't be accepted, which kind of makes the situation with Galtier quite interesting, given that he's a former Marseille player, uh, you know, and actually hails from the the area as well. So for me, I think the first one on my list is definitely Figo uh, leaving Barca for Real. I remember that and, you know, everything that kind of blew up around it.
0: Yeah, I'll go one for one. Let's go. You go one, I'll go one. You went number one. I'm going to go number one. This was before my time moving to the United States and really having access to watching the European game. I'm going to go Liga to the Scottish Premier League. I won Mo Johnston, Celtic legend. And you know about the great divide between Celtic and their arch rival Rangers. Mo Johnston goes from Nantes doing well in Liga, comes back to Scotland and decides to play for who? None other than Rangers. And that was almost chaos. Glasgow almost burnt down to pieces. And you said there's certain divides you don't cross. And very rarely have we seen players cross that divide. We've seen it in the past, but that was a big one. Mo Johnson scoring 52 goals for Celtic before moving around Europe ultimately landing in France and coming back home for other than Rangers. So that's my number one. What about number two for you?
1: I mean, say it's, it's definitely right up there. I mean, I think my choices probably reflect the fact that I grew up, uh, you know, sort of in the Premier League heyday, uh, you know, because I remember moves like Saul Campbell, for example, leaving Spurs for Arsenal on a free transfer and, you know, sort of the vitriol, uh, you know, that rained down on him every time those teams uh, met each other. So I think that that would definitely be up there. I mean, there's a number of different, uh, you know, examples that I can give. I mean, a good one perhaps, you know, for for you might be uh, Van Persie when he left Arsenal Ooh. to to, <laughs> to join United. And you've got Adebayor as well when he <laughs> yeah. left Arsenal oh, yeah. for City, winding uh, the fans up. Yeah. Nasri as well. There, there were quite a few around that time. So I'd say that they were probably a bit less bitter. Um you know, but yeah, I definitely rate Campbell um, yeah, up there for, for, for me. I think it's, yeah, yeah, I it was probably the first really big, um, you know, crossing of the divide that I saw given, you know, the fact that I was still living in England at the time. So seeing that sort of every week on on match of the day uh, and, and being able to tune in and watch the matches live. And that was around mm-hmm. about the time that Arsenal were really building themselves up as a force as well.
0: Well, I remember the World Cup in 1994, being here in the States. i just moved to the country a year before, and an Italian player who was so close to delivering the World Cup, Roberto Baggio, and I knew the Baggio when I came here as a Juventus player, had no clue at the time that he was the prince of Florence. Florence boy grew up there, came through there, star, almost led them to a league title, and they were pipped to it by none other than Juventus. And who does Baggio get transferred to? Juve. Juve beats Fiorentina in the 19, I think 1990 UEFA Cup Final. And then the following year, he makes his first return back to Juventus. And all hell broke loose. The damn bus almost got torched. And for me, that's recipe for being nominated as your number two most (laughs) biggest betrayal of all time in the transfer window. What about you for number three?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many, you know, different examples of players joining their, their clubs, like rival team, uh, probably that, you know, that, that predate both of us. And you've got like Cruyff as well, uh, you know, leaving Mm. Ajax for final, that was pretty unthinkable at the time. That's quite a historic one. I mean, another one sort of that I remember vividly and, fairly boring sticking uh, you know to to Premier League rivalries but Ashley Cole uh, you know given sort Mm -hmm. of the controversy that it created and also you know Cole was one of Chelsea's first big signings, so it wasn't just sort of a watershed moment in terms of you know the fact that it brought tapping up to you know to sort of mainstream attention but also it was sort of start the start of the moment where Arsenal's supremacy in the Premier League you know started to be on the wane Chelsea were on the rise uh, you know, and you were you were seeing, you know, one of the biggest stars from one London team swap it for, you know, one of their London rivals. So that that always sticks in my mind, uh, along with Saul Campbell and Figo.
0: Mm, I'm going to stick Premier League and round it out with this one. I remember this Liverpool team from 2001 and a, a player, one of the unsung heroes of that team, when they won the treble, Nicky barby, And <sighs> Nicky Barmby <laughs> used to play for, none other than, Everton, before he went to Liverpool. And that was another just super controversial move. Everton fans, Evertonians, still feel betrayed by Nicky Barby. Nicky Barnby became a Liverpool great, helping them deliver that treble. And that is why he probably is not allowed to go to the blue half of Liverpool. Not for a while. Maybe not forever. But that's what that feeling of betrayal gets you. That is an example, and that is why it is the world's game People love this game. It is a family affair. It is a city affair, and the players have to suffer through it. So CR7, do not go to Atleti because that is not good. There's a lot that goes into that. Think that one through. at United is what I'm saying. But we'll talk more about it throughout the summer. This has been Kay Golasso. I'm Michael LaHood. He is Jonathan Johnson. JJ, final thoughts.
1: Yeah, well, always a uh, always a pleasure sitting down and uh, and having a chat, and you know, with uh, with all of that debate about controversial transfers, I'm just wondering when we're next going to see one. If there's possibly time uh, to see one between now and the end of the transfer window, you know. Like you, I'm, I'm not sure that Ronaldo to, to Atleti is necessarily going to be the best fit. Uh, it wouldn't be as emotionally uh, you know, taxing for me as it would be for you to see him leaving United again. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that there is any easy solution to, to what Ronaldo is seeking at this stage in his career. So, uh, you know, sort of if we take what we what we assessed about the Barca situation from earlier in the podcast, sometimes you need to go, uh, you know, for a longer term approach, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get the success you crave, not necessarily just take the short term fix. Uh, and I think that Atleti themselves, you know, if they do, uh, you know, end up trying to to push for this, uh, the, this deal and the signing of, of Ronaldo, they may well come to regret it in the next 18 months or so.
0: Uh, come summer, come signings, come controversy, means one player comes in, another player comes out. I'm interested to see what happens if this gets pressured into and say something happens with it. I bet you have to give up someone who earns a lot of money. And Antoine Griezmann, there's a World Cup. He plays for France. He performs from France. And I'd welcome him to Old Trafford any day of the week. But (laughs) back to the Barcelona situation, I just wonder if it's coming to a point and as we talked about the impasse before, Frankie De Jong playing center back in two consecutive friendlies. I've been there as a player, and there's always a tipping point. There's a point where a player says, enough is enough. I want out. So just keep your eyes on that, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your eyes on that, folks. Because if I think if that Frankie De Jong domino finally falls, the Ronaldo domino and everything else that comes with it will fall, and we will be having to put up with me talking Premier League Champions talk for Manchester United this year. I'm just saying, JJ, I know you're laughing. I'm just saying (laughs) a brother can dream. This has been Kay Galasso. Hope you guys had a great time listening to us. We will be back later this week.